Yeah, I think if, you know, hypothetically, there's, I had a guess, it would probably be functional code that can't be taken down that's doing something, displaying something. So my guess is it's not like one PDF or something. My guess is it have to be some sort of, you know, functional code website, something. And if, and if they're motivated enough, if it's awful enough, my guess is then it will be come down to mining, right? Because like banning wallets doesn't do anything. Like KYC doesn't do anything. Mixers doesn't do anything. So maybe that is when they'll try to control the mining and maybe they will come after every miner and say, Hey, you need to keep an eye out you know, for these types of ordinal inscriptions and you can't mine anything that includes this sort of thing, even though, hey, once it's there, it's there. You can't double spend. Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet, a trustless open source wallet that gives you the keys to your crypto. Invoice, donate, and trade your Monero with peace of mind, peace of cake. And by StealthyX, an instant exchange where privacy is a top concern. Go to StealthyX.io to instantly exchange between Monero and 450 plus assets without having to create an account or register and with no limits. Making StealthyX a simple way to purchase Monero with crypto anonymously. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in monerotalk.crypto in your monero.com or cake wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman interviews Ragnar Liftrazier, an OG Bitcoiner who has increasingly become a staunch supporter of Monero in light of Bitcoin's lack of privacy and fungibility. He is launching a new conference this upcoming year called the Finney Forum, which focuses on Bitcoin privacy tech and Monero. Together, they discuss how Ragnar realized through the gun community some of the flaws of Bitcoin that Monero could fix, what will happen to Bitcoin if the state seizes control, what effect would a ban on Monero have and could it take Monero adoption to the next level, the drama in the Bitcoin community in contrast to the Monero community's cohesion, doubts about Bitcoin censorship resistance in regards to ocean mining censoring, samurai wallet and ordinals, and much more. Monero Talk starts now. All right. Ragnar, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on the show. I got to say, I love the name. I, lo I, lo I love the name. That's uh, a beautiful name. Are you, are you named after somebody in your family? Is that a... Uh... Well, I do, I do have Scandinavian heritage, but mostly what I get is people ask me if I've seen the show The Vikings. Uh, that's the most common response, but uh, yeah, it works. How, how much of your heritage is it, is it, is it like a, a large portion of your background or? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all Northern European, you know, people who don't know too much about like the history of Europe. I mean, it's basically the Northern Germanic tribes. So pretty much anything in Germany, Scandinavia, you know, a lot parts of the UK, it's all kind of the same people, right? Just kind of formerly violent people um, who also, some of them have a brain, uh, so that's basically yeah, my heritage. <laughs> you, might, you might have some Neanderthal mixed in there. You, you never know. I think I got some Neanderthal. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, the highest concentration of Neanderthal DNA is, I think, Northern Europeans, or at least obviously Europeans. And I certainly act that way sometimes. So, yeah. 
Who who are the Neanderthals in crypto? Is it is it is it the Bitcoiners? Is it the is it the Moneros people? Oh guess- boy. That's a good question. Well, let's see. You know, uh, we killed the Neanderthals. They went out of, they were extinct, what, 30,000 years ago, which isn't that long. And, you know, a thought experiment is I always think, what if they were still around? Yeah. You know, like, what would the world be like? I think that's an interesting question. So applying that to like Bitcoin Monero, I don't know, uh, but it's a cool thought experiment. And yeah, and we don't really know what they were like, obviously, right? Like we, you know, for all we know, they they were the, I don't know, the the more ethical, spiritual uh, t- tribes, right? We we don't we don't even we don't really know what the what the dynamic was, but but that, that that's a whole whole another whole another thread right there. Yeah. Um. Listen, man. Uh, I never had you on. I I got to be honest. I don't know a lot about you. Uh. So I think this is going to be a good conversation, and if you don't mind. Can we kind of start from the basics? Because I really don't. I really don't know much. Um, I know you got a large. You have a large following on Twitter. Uh, I think you're you're an OG Bitcoiner, but not not to uh, not to push pull uh, strings here. But uh, I, I have been blocked by you for quite some time. So because of that, I honestly I've been cut off from that whole realm of of the Twitter space. The uh, kind of the the samurai Ragnar realm so which i think is going to make for for a good interview because we'll be talking about a lot of this will be the first for me so who is ragnar what is your what is your crypto story sure well in terms of twitter you know that's just typical you stay in bitcoin monero long enough you're going to get blocked be blocked sometimes you deserve it sometimes you don't i've been on both sides of that equation but you know over over time i think we we learned that generally people were on the same side Generally, we want the same goals, you and I, I'm sure. It's just sometimes you go about it differently or there's a miscommunication or just sometimes people are having a bad day. So uh, in terms of like me, yeah, I got into Bitcoin uh, 2011. And since then, gosh, I've done a whole bunch of different things in Bitcoin, uh, two different startups. My first Bitcoin startup was 2015. No, actually 2013 was my first Bitcoin startup. Okay. Um, didn't really go anywhere, but it was an escrow service that was also kind of uh, eBay type of thing. And the idea was to use um, Bitcoin escrow and then have a little marketplace. We sold a few things, but it quickly didn't go very far. We were a little too early. What was that called? Um, it was called Anarch. Oh, cool, man. Anarch.re. Yeah, nice. Anarch.re. Yeah. It was, like uh, a, it was a peer-to-peer Bitcoin market, marketplace. Yeah. Yeah, like you could list stuff. I think someone sold an old Apple computer, um, I think some hats, just kind of random knickknacks. And what was interesting about that is we didn't use multi-sig for the escrow. We used um, a split private keys, which nowadays you would never do that. But at the time, we thought we were smart. So that's how we did it. And there's a video out there somewhere of an LA uh, Bitcoin meetup where I, I pitch Anarch. Uh, for five minutes off to search the archives and find that. So that was, yeah, I think 2013, 2016, I had a startup for real estate and I used Bitcoin colored coins to represent the ownership of uh, property real estate. And okay. did that, yeah, did that with a um, with Cook County in Chicago, which is the second largest county in the US. We legally transfer a piece of property on the Bitcoin blockchain. But again, we were way too early that didn't go, go anywhere. Um, and then in between just doing different Bitcoin stuff, put on the conferences, guns and Bitcoin, as you know, bear arms and Bitcoin. And this year 
we're doing Finney Forum, actually 2024 Finney Forum. And we're happy to have, you know, the podcast as a partner, you know, at Finney Forum. So thank you very much for showing the support and looking forward to actually meeting you in person. Yeah, thank you for inviting us as well. We're, we're excited about that. It looks like you got a good group coming together for that. Yeah, it's it's a diverse group. You know, we've got some Monero folks like you and some others. We've got some Bitcoin people, privacy people, um, cybersecurity people. So it's March 15th, 16th in Dallas. Our website's finiform.com. But we just announced today that our um, keynote speaker is actually Tor Eakland. So if you know Tor Eakland, he is the attorney. Yeah. Yeah, who's who's defending, you know, Roman in the Bitcoin fog case. So, yeah, I think uh, I think we were one of the first to to interview him. We had him on Monero Talk back in the day. And then, yeah, they ended up being a speaker at at Monero Topia in Mexico City. Um, And they're doing big things, as you know, Um, it's I think it's very important what they're working on. I haven't really been I don't really know where they're currently at with that. Um, Do do you know where that that's currently at that? what I do know is I think they have a court date in March and Tor said they think they're going to be done, you know, in time for the conference. He said there's a chance it goes longer than he can't make it if he's in court, obviously, but I think it's March. Um, and so I think that's where it stands, you know, justice moves slow or injustice moves slow. So we'll see how that, that turn turned out. I, I could be wrong, but I thought that the court ruled that, Chainalysis, you know, which is a company that's working for the federal government, did that, you know, quote unquote research. Um, mm-hmm. That they basically said that their algorithm couldn't be sort of examined in detail. They basically said, no, we can't allow that, which seems like a violation of the Constitution to be able to face your accuser and and have the evidence against you. But supposedly, I, that's the last I heard. So it, the whole the whole thing is just dirty. So we're really, you know. Yeah, it's quite interesting. It's it's like chain analysis is what's on trial, right? Um, kind of. Yeah, it's it's one of the things that may come out of this. How how chain analysis is then viewed in court, viewed in court in future cases. Actually, Arctic Mine from the Monero Monero community, he he was working on that case as well. I think he was one of their expert witnesses. Um. So so continuing though with the, with the story, so. All right, so you got it. You got it to Bitcoin early, obviously. If you're if you're working on these startups back in 2015, 2014, approximately when did you like get into get get into Bitcoin? And was it, um, you know, what, what was the story there? Was it one of these? You know, I read the Satoshi white paper and I realized they solved the Byzantine generals problem, and I was all in. Like, what what was your kind of your eureka moment with Bitcoin? Yeah, for me, it was actually Reddit of all places. Uh, read it on a political philosophical form that I came across it. And um, that's how I found it. And then just kind of looked into it. Um, got my first wallet. My first Bitcoins were actually from a faucet. Uh, you know, back in the day, they had these faucets where you do certain things and you get these, you know, small amounts of Bitcoin. And I think my first purchase using Bitcoin was, I think, 2013 from Roger Veer's store. I don't know if you remember, you know, he had a store called Memory Dealers and Roger Veer sold like electronics and computer cables and all sorts of stuff. So my first purchase with Bitcoin was a USB cable and uh, a flash drive. That's what it was. And I bought that uh, my first um, purchase with Bitcoin. And that was my eureka moment, I would say, um, Mm -hmm. to answer your question, because I remember when I sent the Bitcoin, it was amazing. I just 
you know, you put in the address and the amount, there wasn't like credit card number and address and phone and email and all this kind of crazy stuff. And just kind of the light bulb went off like, hey, this is this is money that doesn't have an identity with, you know, no intermediary. I know it's a cliche, but that's that's really what it was. I was sending money directly to Roger Veer's store. No one was in between us. So that was like the, the eureka moment for me. Now, interesting, because that that's kind of like when I first started thinking about, I mean, Monero, I guess, existed, but I didn't really know much about it. It was when I first started using Bitcoin and then going to check on the blockchain, right? To go check a block explorer to see if a transaction went through. And as I was doing that, I was thinking, wait a minute, this isn't really as anonymous as I thought it was. Did you, did you also have that realization? Obviously, you had it at some point, but did you have that uh, early on as well? I think it's a process. I mean, I, I knew I, I never thought that it was completely anonymous. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people did right with with like the Silk Road, a lot of people using that thinking it was anonymous. That's how they got in trouble. Yeah. Um, so I always knew it wasn't completely anonymous, but I didn't know like the intricate details of exactly why that that was and how you can be tracked. I just knew it wasn't quite anonymous. Um, but over time, you learn that you learn the inner details. Right. Um, there's a great book. I don't know if you've read it um, by Andy Greenberg, where he talks about, you know, all these dark, you know, drug markets and a couple other ones and how they were taken down. And mm -hmm. it's interesting that, yes, like Bitcoin's, you know, lack of fungibility and and things like that contributed to to tracing things for sure. But how a lot of these guys got caught actually had nothing to do with Bitcoin. It was like yes. using an email address that they use somewhere else. It was linking it to like some other social media identity. So th mm -hmm. that, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we tried getting him on the show because he, he made some interesting statements about Monero in there. In, mm -hmm. in that book yep. as well. um, so then what was your turning point where you started to get interested in Monero? So like, did, at, at what point were you, did it become a problem for you in Bitcoin where you're like, wait a minute, it's not only pseudo anonymous, but it actually is, is perhaps more deeply flawed. I don't have his exact date, but I think it was just, you know, I remember when Monero came out and I thought it was really interesting, but I was, you know, deep in Bitcoin and I, you know, I was always very pro Bitcoin and kind of anti everything else. Um, I, I don't think I ever called myself a maxi. Maybe I did, but I never just thought anything was good. And it wasn't because like it was a self-righteous religious thing. I just thought objectively everything is mostly crap. And so Monero came out. I thought it was cool, but I just didn't have the time to like want to look into it. And I thought maybe this will just go away like Zcash. And we, there's, mm -hmm. there's been other quote unquote privacy coins. And I just thought, no, nah, this is just another one. And it's never going to get adoption. Um, but when did I actually start using uh, Monero and really take a deep dive? I think it was a f um, several years ago when I started to kind of get involved and understand uh, more what gun owners face and the 3D gun printing community, what they face, their financial discrimination, uh, despite having constitutional rights um, and, and seeing kind of some of the problems they faced. And I think it was someone in that community that ultimately said, hey, Ragnar, like really take a look at this. And that's when I did. And so, um, yeah, I think the only time I, I haven't used Bitcoin was Monero was, I think, my first non-Bitcoin coin that I've, I've ever used after Bitcoin, I, I think. And then Stacks, I've used a little bit because they have some cool smart contracting stuff. But that's it. I'd never, never used any other coin besides that.
Mm. So it was the it was the gun stuff that really kind of opened your eyes to it. What 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 were the details? What was going on there? It was like explain that well, a little bit more. Yeah, well, it's just kind of general stuff. I mean, basic things like PayPal and, and a lot of these uh, type of companies simply won't allow legal you know businesses to conduct business. You know, basic things, even selling like you know parts. They're not guns. They're not anything like that. They're just parts. And so I saw that happening. And so, you know, these, these people, you know, were using Bitcoin. Again, they're not selling guns, right? They're just like parts and T-shirts and stickers and, and whatever it might be. So not guns. They weren't selling guns. You can't do that. Um, but just seeing that, their, their problem with Bitcoin. And then they said, well, I might as well use Monero. I'm going to have to go all in on crypto. So it was sort of like those guys who were really into that world, Mm -hmm. was, was also the digital world because I, I don't know how much you know you're into like the gun culture but there's kind of like a tiny overlap between gun owners gun people and like bitcoin crypto people it's kind of strange you would think there'd be Definitely. a big overlap but there's not yeah 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 you think there'd be a larger overlap right is what you're saying yeah yeah but there's not uh, yeah. i mean it's they're, they're both tools for fighting tyranny that that's for sure um yeah, so that I guess that's how the guns and Bitcoin thing then came about, right? Obviously, that was yeah, sort of. So guns and Bitcoin started out as just sort of like this attitude that I had, which is just kind of a personal philosophy where I thought, you know, you have to protect the physical world and the digital world, and you know, guns and Bitcoin help you with both of those. So it was more just like a Twitter account I started just to kind of share random thoughts about that, and then okay, turned. And turn it into like, yeah, let's still sell some t-shirts and hey, let's put on a conference because I started to meet other, once I started the Twitter account, you know, I met some other people who kind of thought like I did. And in the middle of COVID, 2020, we launched our, our first conference, which was interesting. We were going to have it in Portland and COVID, they wouldn't allow us to do it. So we had to move it to Texas. And then, yeah, that's how it got started, middle of COVID. Awesome. Yeah. Then you had it in uh, in Miami, right? Yep. You had you had your, I guess that was the second one in Miami. So is guns in Bitcoin, is that done or are you still doing, or has it, has it turned into Finiform? Uh, it's kind of on the back burner. Um, yeah, I guess you could say it's turned into Finiform in the sense that I wanted to focus more on Monero and cybersecurity. And I thought to do that, I should just kind of launch a new conference that is more consistent with that and just focus on cryptocurrency and cybersecurity as well. I wanted to add that. And actually, even we're going to have one or two ordinal speakers, which sounds incongruent. Okay. It doesn't sound like it would fit, um, but actually ordinals really offers you a way to exercise free speech and publish things that are uncensorable. So to me, it's not about like the monkey JPEGs and the ugly art. I think most of that is superfluous. Yeah. I, I don't like almost any of it, but there's some really cool things you can do with ordinals in terms of publishing, um, you know, PDFs, but even audio video, uh, you could actually publish websites, believe it or not. You could publish websites as ordinal inscriptions. Yeah. Um, no, so. I, I yeah, no, I, I, that totally makes sense to me, right? That's essentially that's it's it's free speech, right? We say it's free speech, money, right? Money, money is speech, but then this is just an, another, obviously, form of it, um, using this protocol to essentially say things out there in the in, without being censored, and in a way where it can never be erased. You know, it, it, it's it can it will last forever, uh, in theory. Um, so I, I'm right there with you. So give us some deeper insight 
into that then in terms of what your overall kind of viewpoint of what Bitcoin is or or what you see as the true value proposition to crypto, or do you see it as having multiple value propositions? Uh, obviously, you're interested in the, you know, the digital cash use case, like we're talking about. People should be able to have a tool where if they want to buy gun parts, they could do it without without surveillance or censorship. Uh, but now you're talking about just this this concept of, of being able to publish things freely. So what do you see as the value proposition or propositions of cryptocurrency? Um, well, I think I see it in terms of like three areas. I think I think of Bitcoin, I think of Monero, and then I think of like stacks. And I think they all kind of have their, their niche. So starting with Bitcoin, I see that primarily as a publishing space, um, as sort of a you know, publishing ordinals or, or even transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously as, as money, but I don't think that's what Bitcoin does best. I think what it does best is store data. That's mm-hmm. what I think. I, I kind of think of it as uh, like property, right? Like digital property. Yeah. Is that, is that, is that, you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. It's just like digital yeah. property. And I, one of the earliest, I think, uh, I, ideas people came up with is Bitcoin is like real estate. That block space is so valuable. Uh, mm-hmm. because of what you could put in there. So because of the security and everything else, I think Bitcoin's biggest strength is is that block space, this uncensorable block space. I don't think it's the best peer-to-peer money. Obviously, I use it as that, but I don't think it, that's what it's best at. And that's where Monero comes in, which I think is the best peer-to-peer digital money. And then Stacks is good for smart contracts and some some scaling stuff for Bitcoin smart contracts. So it's like, I guess you to sum it up, it's three things. I'd say it's like free speech, private money, and then kind of, you know, uh, decentralized smart contracts and quote unquote DeFi. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd say I'm, pr- I'm pretty much right there with you. Obviously, I think the digital cash use case is the most compelling um, or maybe the, the, mm, the one that's the one that I think will, will gain, will provides the most utility. Um, the digital, digital property for Bitcoin, uh, you use the word censorship, uh, resistance to censorship, but but is it resistance to censorship? Um, I think maybe what what Bitcoin does, right? If we're, we're treating it like digital property, maybe maybe really what it offers is uh, this ability to always prove that you have title, right? And really, kind of in a very public way, and it's stored on this it's stored on this blockchain for all to see. Like this is my property. Now we we're trying to obfuscate it because we want to use this blockchain for for making digital cash transactions but it seems like its nature is more transparent and if that is the case does that work against its ability to be censorship resistant do you think it is censorship resistant uh a censorship resistant network I think I think it's it's not binary, right? I think it's all on a scale of what's censorship resistant, and you know, Monero obviously falls on that um, spectrum as well. But to answer your question, I think it is pretty censorship resistant. I think it's the fungibility and privacy is hard, but not impossible. You know, today we had that Twitter space. I thought I saw you were on there, which you know, thanks for yes. for joining that. Yes. Um, so yeah, so using like like Whirlpool with Samurai and then and then also like Sparrow uh, Wallet, that obviously really helps to get a lot better privacy uh, for for Bitcoin. So you definitely can get privacy on Bitcoin. It's just harder. It's extra steps. It costs more because you got to 
you know, you got to do certain things. Uh, and there's other issues, but yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is the most, uh, has the most liquidity, the most users, the most, you know, merchants accepted. And so there's no reason to say oh, I'm against Bitcoin. Like you just have to take extra steps. And so for me, Bitcoin and Monero go together, peanut butter and jelly, right? I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, uh, like actual use cases and if Bitcoin is, uh, are, if it, if it is built to be truly censorship resistant, right? Um, we're seeing we're seeing kinks in the armor, right? Right now, right? We saw, you know, now that you have, um, right? Ocean, Ocean is, is censoring is censoring samurai whirlpool transactions. Now, obviously, their intent is to censor these BRC twenty tokens, or right? These basically yeah. they want to censor the the NFTs on Bitcoin, but it, it, what they're but they're also censoring other types of transactions, one of them being samurai uh, whirlpool transactions, which are, are there to add, add fungibility and privacy. But just the fact that they can do that, is that showing that Bitcoin is failing as a censorship resistant network? And then there's other examples too. We saw uh, miners that have attempted to be OFAC compliant. We saw that Recently, we saw that happen again. And now we have, I think, over 50% of all mining pools are KYC'd miners. Do you see kinks in the armor there in regards to Bitcoin's censorship resistant? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's objectively has issues with, with the mining. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you have to have a lot of money and a lot of technical knowledge to really mine Bitcoin. You can do it, home mining still works, but uh, realistically it's kind of dominated by kind of people with a lot more capital and full-time expertise. And like you said, you know, the big miners, they're often publicly traded companies are required to do KYC AML. They're required to do all that. And so- Crazy. It, it's, it's just the reality. Now people can point their hash power elsewhere if they don't like the pool they're in. And so far, you know, when they're having attempts to censor, like there was like I think a year ago with that OFAC pool, they didn't get very far. They stopped doing that. Uh, Ocean, I think they're they're. they're yeah, now there was another. There was another recent OFAC. What was the pool that recently did? I think it was like F it was F2 pool? F2 pool. I think is who, who yeah. did that. So it's always lurking there, right? It's like there's always that possibility that these miners can censor. That seems to be the trend. I don't know if you if do you know Uri Bednar. Um, are you familiar with him, Uri? Uh, sounds familiar, but like Parnelli, Pol Parnelli Polis. He's one of. Oh yeah, of the yeah, yeah. He he wrote. I mean, year. It's been years ago now, but he kind of laid it all out there. Um, the trajectory of 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 what's censorship resistance might look like in Bitcoin, given the fact that uh, miners can can be co opted by governments through regulation and basically be forced to start doing doing what they say in terms of uh, how they, the transactions that they're allowed to verify. Um, do you think these little things we're seeing are just the beginning of what will ultimately be the end and that like Bitcoin can effectively be co-opted by governments uh, and miners can be forced to to be OFAC compliant, or do you think it's just something that we're seeing bits and pieces of, but they're never going to be able to get get a grapple over Bitcoin? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I if I had to predict and put money on it, I don't think that 
the state is really going to be able to really prevent Bitcoin through miners. I think they're going to keep adding more pressure. And I think you will see more of the larger mining companies start to like pre-comply with things actually kind of don't need to maybe, or, or ultimately, yeah. you know, with Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren, you know, she's, she's just like doing everything she can to kill Bitcoin, everything, crypto, everything. So do I think they're going to keep going after it? Yes. I don't think the mining will ultimately stop Bitcoin just simply because people could point their hashing elsewhere. You know, it's not hard to like in China, right? Like China kind of outlawed Bitcoin and the miners went to the US and the miners could go other places. Um, but it, it, it is a reality that they can kind of make a dent in it. But I think they have other means to do that. Um, yeah, but in a scenario where 95% of all miners are part of one of these large companies that are essentially in bed with the regulators, uh, where, where do you go to get your transaction validated if, if all the mining is effectively being done by these large corporations that are now doing OFAC compliant mining and they don't mind doing it because they benefit from working with the regulators, right. And keeping outside and having a, essentially an advantage over, over other miners that aren't in bed with the regulators. How does that scenario not come to pass? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like you said, um, they've done that, but then they stopped. I think it was, what, a year or two ago now, uh, Michael Saylor, he was um, uh, associated with one of these. And they did it for, I think, maybe a couple mm. weeks. I mean, but they stopped. And after yeah. pulled did it once. So I just think based on what they've done so far, it hasn't been an issue. It doesn't mean it won't be, but it's something to kind of keep an eye on. Again, yeah. people can point their hash power elsewhere. It could, you know, it could move, but it's something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's an attack vector. It's, it's to me, not their best way of going after Bitcoin or any crypto, but they're going to look into that. Um, I mean, look, if they're trying to say that a, a non-custodial wallet is illegal. Right. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter who you are, Monero, Bitcoin, like you can't even like hold your own crypto. That's that's what I think Elizabeth Warren's bill is is trying to do, I think, or something like that. I mean, that's yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she she and she is totally dead set against privacy coins and like that, that whole concept. Like she sees that as like literally, you know, the devil, right? Which is ironic considering she she is the devil. <laughs> I mean, it, she she does not make any sense, right? If you go back and look at how she started as a political figure and what she was supposed to stand for, and here she is fighting against liberty, freedom tech, right? That that's that's built to disrupt the fiat system and built to disrupt the banking system uh, and, and it's built to create a, a beautiful permissionless system that anybody can use and she's managed to politically somehow be on the other side on the wrong side of that one like in in such such a passionate way too do you think she's ultimately like you know controlled controlled by the bankers or something is it, is it just a I mean, she has that incentive to do what she does, you know, and, and why, why do politicians do what they do? It's either money or power, usually both. So I guess for her, that's her way. I mean, it's kind of surprising that, I mean, she lied about her ethnicity. She said she was Native American. And so you would think she would be canceled. I mean, that's a pretty shameful thing to do, lie about your ethnicity. But I mean, I guess if you 
make the right people happy, then you can get away with with everything. But you know, it's interesting you brought up about um, like privacy coins. So she doesn't doesn't like those. And so it's interesting what happens if they try to completely ban using any privacy coin, Monero, Zcash. Yes. Like, I was going to ask you that. Will that be? And you know, what's interesting, how does that compare to Bitcoin? Because let's think of a scenario where they say, okay, we're fine with Bitcoin. We won't like make it illegal, just the usual KYC stuff. Yeah. But what if they say Monero, any privacy coin is, if you use it, like it's a fence, you get six months in prison. Like, I wonder if they're going to try to do that. And then at that point, do you say, well, which is more censorship resistant? Monero at the protocol level, but then functionally, is it? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all interesting game. What's interesting about that too is it's definitely going to create a Streisand effect, right? Mm-hmm. We were talking about the Sun Monerotopia the other day, and uh, I, I totally agree with that theory. I think it's going to end up being what takes Monero to the next level, right? Um, in terms of user adoption and really at the just name recognition, right? At the end of the day, all, all the, these things are, are really memes, right? The more people that know what Bitcoin is, the more value it has, right? It's like the US dollar itself. So I think if we see the government actually target Monero specifically, you know, and it becomes something that Senator Warren starts saying by name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get a lot of people that are on the fringe of Bitcoin privacy move into Bitcoin privacy or realize even more so the importance of privacy in crypto, I think, right? I think, I think that camp might grow in, in response to it. We're already in that camp, right? Uh, but you have a lot of these like BTC maxis and all these people and just crypto users in general who haven't really stopped to think about these things. And if they see that Senator Warren is trying to ban a particular protocol, I think it might get them to question and start to go down that rabbit hole. Do you think it, it could have that? potential effect? Yeah, I think it could have that effect, right? Streisand effect is a perfect example of that. Yeah, absolutely. People say, oh, wow, what's this Monero I heard about it, but now they're banning it by name specifically. You know, what's interesting is how much actually the state hasn't gone after Monero or even even Zcash. It's kind of interesting, I think, because when you hear them talk, it's always about Bitcoin, Bitcoin mixtures, but then also Ethereum, right? Like World um, Tornado Cash. So they talk a lot about that but you would think they would really go after monero and i think there's a reason why they don't talk about it and now some people might say well it's pretty small the percentage like illicit uses as they call it right like north korea uh darknet markets like most of them do use bitcoin um because of the liquidity and so maybe it's just well not 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 enough crime quote-unquote crime is being used you know with monero and maybe that's why but it could be what you said, which is they kind of don't want to bring that up. Yeah, it's going to end up hurting them more than helping them. There's there's really no way for them to go after it out in the open where they don't end up empowering it more. I, I don't see how they can do it. Um, and it's also, you, you know, it's 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 going to be a Supreme Court case at that point, right? There's no There's no way you ban Monero you ban an open source protocol. You don't allow people to use an open source system to transfer digits over the internet. 
without having some Supreme Court case over it. And at that point, it becomes, well, how do you just how how do you justify allowing citizens of the United uh, of the US to use Bitcoin, but to not use Monero? What is the what is the difference between the two protocols at that point? What is the difference between the two technologies? Well, I think how they're going after it is just saying any sort of, I think maybe I, I should have read Elizabeth Warren's bill before this, but um, you know, I think they're actually going after kind of any open source protocol, anything that can in any way enable people to have privacy. I mean, they, they're, they're not like trying to be subtle about it. And so Monero just falls into that Bitcoin, everything else. And so I, I agree with you. It could go to the Supreme Court. You know, it could be 10 years before they find the right case and who knows who's going to be on the bench by then. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, how can they do this? Well, they're, they're, they're doing it. And today on Twitter, I saw this video. It was from a conference. I think it was a, it was a conference basically with law enforcement talking about the sanctions, right? Mm -hmm. And there was someone from the FBI, OFAC, and uh, I think the Treasury. And they were talking about these Bitcoin mixers and they did not want to talk about tornado cash at all. There was, mm -hmm. it was like a really sore spot. And someone said, you know, someone's like, ah, oh, don't put me on the spot for that one. So I think they've gotten so much pushback from, from trying to ban tornado cash that they, they know that there's a line there. And it's just strange because usually they're so like confident they can, you know, they're the state, they have a lot of power. But it was interesting that they didn't really want to go into that. Do you love coffee and Monero as much as we do? Consider making gratuitous.org your daily cup. Pay with Monero for premium fresh beans. And if you like what you taste, send a digital cash tip directly to the farmers that made it possible. Use Monero to buy gifts this year. Everyone has coffee drinkers on their list. For a limited time only, get 10% off of three, six, and 12-month gratuitous.org coffee subscriptions. Proceeds help us grow this channel, Gratuitous, and Monero. So what do you think, man? You think it's it's likely to happen? You think we'll see some kind of uh, privacy coin ban? I think it's not. I think a privacy coin ban would just be part of a larger bill that just says any sort of open source software. And, and that will include coins, it'll include mixers, it'll include, you know, anything you could think of, uh, you know, unhosted wallets, self-hosted wallets. I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna name it all. Um, as a ban, as a ban, you think that could be, a, really? Yeah, wow. I think Elizabeth Warren's already trying to do that. Is that including Bitcoin? No. I think they won't ban Bitcoin, but what they'll say is, you know, any sort of it's their wallets, you can't have your own wallet. Um, they're already saying that if you send or they're trying to say that if you send someone Bitcoin, you have to basically KYC them, basically. Right, right. They're saying it needs to be treated like the same as the banking. Like it's unfair to the bankers because they have to follow these regulations. So why doesn't the Bitcoin network have to follow it? Is basically what the is what the, the argument that they're making, uh, which is absurd, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but that you know, crazy it, crazy doesn't matter, right? Logic doesn't matter. Like justice, constitution, none of that matters. So it's just a matter of how do we still continue to try to do what we can and exercise our rights despite them being trampled. So, 
you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I think I think Monero hasn't truly been tested yet. I think Bitcoin is being tested, but I don't think Monero's quite been like enemy number one. Maybe behind the scenes it is. I don't know. Yeah. You know, but well, Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin's never really been. It's it's always had the green light, right? It mm -hmm. was never you. There's never been an attempt by the government to sh shut down Bitcoin, as far as we know, unless there was something done behind the scenes. But there was well, never China did right. China basically yeah, China banned did. Bitcoin. Right. Right. And it just moved to the US, right? And it moved to the US, right? So um, I like to think, or I don't know, do you think Monero is potentially more unstoppable than Bitcoin, right? Because that's what we're getting at, right? So we're saying, all right, there's there's potential that government's going to try to try to stop this thing. And that's what the whole, you know, cypherpunk ideology, crypto anarchist ideology is, right? It's like, well, well, fuck them. We don't care what they're going to try to do. We're trying to build something that they can't stop anyway. Do you think Monero is potentially more unstoppable than Bitcoin because of its privacy, uh, its fungibility, um, its mining network that isn't ASIC-based, and all, all these other things we're talking about? That's a great question. So, what do, you think, what do you think Monero? Ha I mean, Bitcoin has the advantage because of its transparency, and because of that, it's almost embraced by governments to the point where they'll never try to. Like, that's its strong point: is that governments, it's unstoppable because governments aren't going to stop it. They're not going to try to stop it. Yeah. So, to your to your point, I think a really good thought experiment has been if Satoshi had you know released Monero instead of Bitcoin. Or maybe Monero and Bitcoin at the same time as a thought experiment. Like, what would have been the trajectory? And would, let's say it was Monero instead of Bitcoin that Satoshi created, like back in 2009. Well, would the state have just crushed back then when it was small and it could because it truly was, you know, anonymous and private and, and fungible? Would they have done that? And when Bitcoin came out, were they kind of like, well, it's really not anonymous. So it's right. not a priority. We can still track people down. We, you know, so they, they weren't as worried. So that's sort of like the broad thought experiment. And a lot of people have said, well, Bitcoin is less likely to be censored because it's just transparent enough to where people feel comfortable, the, the state feels comfortable being able to track it when they need to. Um, so they'll kind of allow that now. That is kind of held up until recently now with mixers and Tornado Cash, uh, these other Bitcoin mixers. So we're starting to see that tested. We're starting to see if they're going to say, okay, before you are getting your Bitcoin privacy through different coin join implementations, uh, so far they haven't ruled against it. Like it's perfectly legal to use Whirlpool and, you know, other things like that. Totally not a problem, but you can see why they would kind of are looking at that now. So we'll see. So that's, that's Bitcoin. In terms of Monero, um, you know, again, I think it's strange they haven't really like come out and like put on like red alert about Bitcoin. So that either means that they don't see it as a threat, maybe because liquidity, like so few crimes are actually with Monero, or mm -hmm. they kind of purposely aren't. And mm -hmm. they're kind of building things behind the scenes. Uh, most of the cyber crime, again, is Bitcoin. And then all the hacks are smart contracts because Ethereum is riddled with holes, right? And so most of the crime has been that. So maybe if you see something egregious with Monero, some terrible terrorism incident, or right? Something awful like that, or... North Korea, maybe then that's when you're going to see it hit. 
but it's kind of it's kind of strange. And when you read certain reports and certain articles and PDFs, on you know, um, it's it is interesting that that Monero really isn't isn't brought up. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty wild. Um, I have seen it though in like Rand reports and stuff. Um, obviously, it it gets it does get mentioned. I mean, they 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 have their eye on it for sure. It's like it's right. So, I mean, we we had the IRS put out a bounty to try to right to try to demystify Monero um, and the Lightning Network as well. Oh yeah, um, so much to talk about. I realized as I'm saying, like, oh my god, we got so many things to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, I just want I just want to pull in this thread a, l- a little more though. So, I I see thing, you know, I see Bitcoin a high probability that Bitcoin essentially gets defanged, right? I, like I said, I think we're seeing hints of it now, but I think ultimately it becomes this defanged beast that is globally adopted. It almost becomes fiatized, right? Just like just like uh, gold, right? It's like people aren't even buying gold anymore. They're buying paper gold, right? Uh, Bitcoin almost becomes fiatized in that... It exists. It's this network. You can use it to, to hold property on and transfer it, but it's all completely, it becomes effectively completely transparent and in lockstep with the government and the regulators in a way that ultimately perhaps even benefits them, right? It becomes this perfectly taxable, uh, you know, ledger, right? <laughs> Global ledger that governments can peer into they know how much of this digital property you have. They could see you when you're moving it. Um, do you see that? Are you as extre- extreme as me in, in that thinking, or you have more hope for Bitcoin? I think I probably have a little more hope uh, for for Bitcoin. Um, simply looking at what they're what they're doing, I don't think they'll ever completely, you know, like ban everything. Although. It seems like some people are trying to do that. Um, what I'm looking at actually is I'm really curious what happens when someone publishes something as as an ordinal. You know, maybe it's it's a website that can't be taken down, right? right. Because the code is there. I, that's what I'm keeping my eye out for because eventually, you know, a really bad actor is going to put something really awful out there that I think everyone disagrees with. Hey, this is not. Like we're privacy advocates, but this is not okay. And when I think when that starts coming out, that's when I think things will get interesting. Cause now that's, that's not an issue of like KYC, right? That's not an issue of sending funds to, we're going to, you know, we're going to ban this address because it's a, it's a sanctioned person or entity. Now it's just like a one-time thing. Like you can't, like once you create that inscription, like that's it, you're not trying to send it around usually for that type of thing. And so now that isn't with mixers. That's not with KYC. That's, that's like more like a protocol level thing. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's when I think it could get really interesting, uh, which I think is sort of inevitable. Uh, that's, that's when we'll see that, that to me will be the ultimate test if they're going to go after truly the protocol. Yeah, people people are going to do that just for the for the hell of it, even if they're not intention like have intent behind it, uh, just to test the the network, right, and see what see what reaction they will get out of governments. Uh, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I think the reason why it hasn't, I mean, obviously people have made ordinals of all sorts of 
you know, pornographic stuff and other things. And I think generally why it hasn't been an issue is because, you know, all the main block explorers and the wallets, you know, they filter that stuff out. And so, cause most people don't want to see any of that. And so that's why maybe it hasn't been an issue because all the wallet, you know, they just filter that out. It's not like there's some big service that's publishing those things that people do, but eventually I think there'll be something that um, can't be denied that will have a Streisand effect will be something pretty big and everyone's going to look into it, find it. And then that's, that's when I, that, that's to me to answer your question is what I'm really looking at in terms of like existential for Bitcoin. And I, I could be wrong, but that's what I'm keeping my eye on. And then, so what happens out of that? What's the result of that existential moment? So you're saying then at that point, there's a pro potentially a protocol change or something big that what then takes away Bitcoin's censorship resistance or? Yeah, I think if, you know, hypothetically there's, had a guess it would probably be functional code that can't be taken down. That's doing something, displaying something. So my guess is it's not like one PDF or something. My guess is it have to be some sort of, you know, functional code website, something. And if, and if they're motivated enough, if it's off enough, my guess is then it will be come down to mining, right? Because like banning wallets doesn't do anything. Like KYC doesn't do anything. Mixers doesn't do anything. So maybe that is when they'll try to control the mining. And maybe they will come out for every miner and say, hey, you need to keep an eye out, you know, for these types of ordinal inscriptions, and you can't mine anything that includes this sort of thing, even though, hey, once it's there, it's there. You can't double spend. <laughs> you really can't double spend once or twice. Yeah, but so that that's what I think. And then so is that then my doomsday scenario at that point? Isn't that isn't it a co-opted network at that point? Well, that's the question. I mean, this this was an early question, right? Like Andreas Antonopoulos used to talk about this back in like 2011 or 12. And people would ask him, what happens if, you know, the government runs the miners? What happens if they buy all the miners? What happens if they go after the major, you know, mining pools? And he said, well, they might be able to control the network, but people will just fork it and it'll be a new fork and it'll be one ones that people believe who aren't going to be compliant with this stuff. And maybe it's the major chain or maybe it's the minor chain. But I think if it truly comes to that point where truly the state is really controlling enough hash power, either directly or indirectly, they truly are controlling the network 51% or 70%, you can fork the network and say, well, this is our Bitcoin now. We're calling it Bitcoin freedom or something. Mm -hmm. And it'll be a hard fork. And then maybe that that's kind of what Andreas said, you know, 10 years ago. That would be the scenario I would see. How, what is the current temperament in Bitcoin? I, I think you have a you have your finger on the pulse of that better than I do right now. I mean, I, I on Twitter, I see, I see, you know, I think I see issues with you know ocean the ocean miner censoring samurai that 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 got a lot of uh, that got a lot of play and people talking about the ordinals and the factions that want to censor that versus the ones that want to allow it. Are we potentially entering kind of another? Bitcoin civil war error here, like we saw with the block size? I don't think we are. I mean, that's a good parallel is the block size wars, but I, I don't think we are. And actually, I'm very optimistic about Bitcoin. I mean, this has kind of been the best time to be in Bitcoin since, I mean, the very early days. 
Um, and the reason why I say that is now there are more wallets that are going to be doing Whirlpool. So obviously Samurai Wallet is the original implementer of it. But then you have Sparrow and on the Twitter space today, they talked about a couple other wallets that were going to do it. So that's good. We're seeing more of the Whirlpool coin join implementations. Um, I think the Maxis, the Laser-Eyed, the Priests are being slowly like discarded. I think they're Bitcoin only church cult that they were in i think that's has seen its its best days and i think those people are are kind of giving up on that or, or they're just not they're no longer the dominant voice and i think you know that whole concept those guys are going away i think ordinals is bringing in a whole new group of people new money new developers new use cases not just like dumb art but actually some really cool things you can do um so I think Bitcoin is actually in a, in a really good place in terms of protocol and the people, because Bitcoin has been stagnant for so many years, so many years. And, and even from the beginning, like the core devs, a lot of them to core have really focused not on privacy at all. It's always been about let's scripting and time locks and like more of a financial instrument. They really shot themselves in the foot. We can't come back to that. But um, in terms of Bitcoin, the, 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 I think to answer your question, um, it's a, it's a change of the guard. That's what I would say. It's a change of the guard. I think it's a new era with, with more people in it. Now, that being said, the state is coming down harder in general, but Bitcoin itself has, has some of the best people now. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. That's, that's, so you like you, you're okay with ordinals on Bitcoin. Are you, were you okay with Mordinals on Monero? What, what was your, what was your take on that? Uh, I wasn't deep into it enough to, to, to care. Um, I know that there was a hot minute. It was there. Um, what was sort of, you know, what was the case there that happened with Mordinals? I mean, pe people were using Monero to publish, uh, ordinals. Um, but then basically some changes, changes were made, right? There's the, uh, the transact TX extra field of Monero is effectively is what allowed this to happen. Um, and there's always been this idea of deprecating that at some point. So that hasn't been deprecated yet, but I, without getting to the technicalities, basically it's not as easy to use it for those purposes anymore. Um, but overall, like what was your was thinking there with that? Was it was like, well, it is what it is. If people want to do more, uh, ordinals on Monero, let them do ordinals on Monero. Or, or would, did you view it a little differently because of the fact that it potentially affected fungibility? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. You know, to me, it was sort of like I don't want to stop people from doing things, right? But there was definitely a part of me that was like, uh, why don't we just leave ordinals out of Monero? Like, let's just. Let's just not. I, I don't want to stop someone from doing it, but like personally, my opinion was I hope this doesn't really take off. Like, yeah. let's just use let's use Bitcoin, let's use stacks, let's use other things, you know. And just the way the Monero community is, I never thought it would get far simply because it's not the culture. And there's if if you're like an artist, you want to go where the liquidity is, and you're not going to be publishing a lot of art on Monero. That's just not there's just not enough users for it to be worth your while. And so that's sort of my take, but it's interesting, like hard forks um, in terms of like censorship resistance, it's interesting how so far hard forks seem to have worked well for Monero. 
but mm-hmm. that's something to keep an eye on. I think is maybe my my concern there is could there be a hard fork that isn't isn't a good thing? So far, it seems like it's worked pretty well. Like yeah. Bitcoin has struggled in a sense because of its soft forks, and there's good reasons for soft forks. But yeah, I think I think I think it's because Monero has a very cohesive value proposition right uh the the the, commu- the community by and far for the most part all agrees what the purpose of this tool is which is digital cash transactions whereas in bitcoin uh that pe- not everybody thinks not everybody's thinking along those lines right even even you and i are saying well it's not even digital cash it, it's it's property uh so i think that's fundamentally the difference between the two in terms of why perhaps Monero is able to kind of do these forks with no, with no issue. Uh, do you agree with that or do you, you yeah. see things a little differently? Yeah, I, I agree. I think you're right that it's sort of the culture of Monero. And I think if you don't like that, do you have other options, right? Like if you right. think, or about you just go to Bitcoin, if you want to publish ordinals because you're an artist, you go to Bitcoin. So it's sort of like self-selecting, out like those kind of people simply just don't get into monero because it's not a good place for it and so they naturally don't go there um right. you no know, which is which has been nice i think it's complimentary you know like like infinity form that's why we're talking about both and we're going to talk about like the pros and cons and where things break down between the two um mm-hmm. you know because they do go well together but yeah so far it's been cohesive um which is strange because when you come from bitcoin world right it's like so much just stupid drama and so many factions and so much like LARPing and not just that, but like soap opera stuff. And you would think that'd be the case in Monero. Like I would think Monero would be like the most difficult, caustic, negative, you know, hostile, rancorous coin, but it's kind of not, it's, it's kind of surprising because so much is on the line and it's privacy. So you would think, I don't know. Maybe I'm just way off, but I, I'm kind of surprised how it's actually kind of cohesive and relatively pleasant. Kind of surprising. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have we have our moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we blocked each other, so we we know that things happen. But overall, you like compared to you had guns in Bitcoin, Ragnar, you kicked me out. Of- <laughs> yeah. But you know, compared to Bitcoin with the drama there, so it's kind of it's kind of surprising and like not to be like conspiratorial. But, you know, the, the state always infiltrates any group that, that they, you know, disagree with. And that's always like, okay, who in Monero, right? Because, you know, there's the state is in Monero, but they're there, I'm sure, obviously. But so far, it doesn't seem like they've made a dent. doesn't mean they can't in the future. But so far, like, it doesn't seem like there's any powerful state actors that are really, like, rank, rankling things up and really trying to pull the reins in a certain direction, as far as I know. Right, unless it's it's unless it's so nefarious and diabolical that it's happening on some some level we're not aware of yet. Um, hey, which is which is possible. Um, but so, what do you then see Bitcoin as designing towards? So, like like we're saying, right? There's that cohesion there in Monero on what the value proposition is. All design decisions are towards that end of censorship resistant, untraceable, unstoppable digital cash. What are what motivates the design decisions in Bitcoin? And is there even a shared belief on what motivates the design decisions in Bitcoin? I think Bitcoin 
is obviously more there's more variety in terms of how people see it i'll say that i think the lightning network now is a lot of people realizing it's just not gonna it just doesn't deliver what it was promised to deliver in terms of payments um i think we're in a permanent high fee environment now with bitcoin so fees are just going to be high probably permanently which really can hinder the peer-to-peer cash because it's more expensive to do so i think that digital cash is going to suffer a little bit just because of the fees or i think are going to be high and lightning actually isn't a solution to that i think people love nfts they love art they love ordinals so i think that's really going to go far in the long term um like taproot wizards raised millions of dollars they're like kind of the biggest ordinal collection in terms of money raised i think um so in terms of bitcoin what's its sort of message i think it's going to be a combination of like um you know ordinals art and think also as like an asset there's going to be etfs will be approved just a matter of time. I know people have been saying ETFs for 10 years, but there will be approved ETFs. And when that hits, Bitcoin is going to be digital gold. Uh, maybe it'll be even neutered and censored like you alluded to. But so kind of those two, those kind of two or three things, I, I would say. Definitely more art, definitely more DeFi with layers, different layers. You can be able to DeFi type things, smart contract type things. Um, but so yeah, that peer-to-peer cash, I think is going to be, It'll always be there. There's so much liquidity, but it's it's you're not going to think Bitcoin and payments, right? Like that's not what people are going to like. First thing comes to their mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you see the the number go up thing as helping to propel the the movement away from from cash utility, right? Feeding into that because I do. I feel, I feel like you know that's. The number go up. It, it's great. It's a great way to bootstrap, right? It was it was a genius genius thing that that Satoshi came upon here. That the system would would bootstrap itself by becoming more valuable over time and with every new user. But it also seems to be its Achilles' heel in terms of now designing towards number go up instead of designing towards censorship resistant, you know, digital cash network. Yeah. Yeah. The, the number go up thing, you know, you can make the argument has has actually hindered Bitcoin as a peer to peer payment system because people don't want to spend it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing we've heard for so many years is why would you spend your Bitcoin? You know, why would you possibly do that? Because people just want to make money. And that's really, you know, it's kind of hindered Bitcoin. And I think, yes, that will probably continue to further hinder bitcoin in terms of like wanting it to be a payment system simply because when the etfs are approved i think that's really going to increase the price and once those big institutions are on board like bitcoin has a new floor in terms of the, the low price that it will hit because of those major institutions and at that point all you know the money that the headlines the talent is going to be more on that asset management side and it's going to be sort of the more of the paradigm for bitcoin bitcoin you can anyone can do anything with it but you will i think see even more of a transition emphasis on the number go up uh once once that happens and including ordinals like the cost of the value of ordinals you know number go up on those as well the speculation just like we saw in ethereum with all the nfts it's it's going to be a casino um that's what i see what do you think of the the meme of uh you know, hold, hold Bitcoin, but spend Monero. Yeah. 
I get it. I don't, it's not something I would propagate because I really think that Bitcoin is, is a peer to peer payment system. And I think because so many more companies and individuals accept that as a payment method, that we need to grow that Bitcoin economy. And so it's, I, I get that. Um, but I just kind of don't like it because I think Bitcoin should be used for payments. And I think we should encourage that. But if people say, well, you know, I think Bitcoin's price will go up more than Monero. So I'm just going to kind of use that as my investment and spend Monero. That's fine, I guess, as long as people are using Monero. But, uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't I don't like that dialectic. I, I don't like that splitting yeah, it into the, you know. Yeah. And it, it's it also takes away, you, you know, from Monero's uh, value proposition as being uh, a scarce digital asset as well, right? It's like, yeah, like, why, why can Bitcoin be digital gold, but Monero can't? They're like anybody who understands the economics of these things. There's absolutely no reason why Monero can't be as digital gold, like if not more, because of its fungibility, uh, and it's arguably. Perhaps, arguably, it's it's more predictable supply. I, I make that argument as well, right? We don't know. One day, one day, the twenty one million may have to be a tail emission may have to be added to Bitcoin at some point to continue to ma maintain the network. Do you wh where do you fall on that? I mean, we've even heard Bitcoiners talk, like Peter Todd has even talked about perhaps the potential need to add a tail emission to Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, what do you think about all those things that just threw at you there? Yeah, no, I I really think a tail emission makes sense for Bitcoin. I I thought I think it should have it. I think that was something. I understand why Satoshi did why Satoshi didn't do that, but I think it was a mistake looking back. And I think a tail emission is important, um, and why Monero does it. And in terms of like digital gold, and Monero absolutely can be digital gold. Like it is right. Uh, Bitcoiners will say, well, it has infinite supply, right? Because it never stops being produce there's always that tail emission but that's stupid um it's tiny um but yeah and, and the other thing about people who want to say oh only use monero to spend it's like no let's say you're sort of a paranoid person and you think okay we're gonna have more control more surveillance more of a crackdown well don't you want to be hoarding monero i mean it, it, right. you want to hoard monero like you want to <laughs> spend it but you really want to hoard monero i i right. think Right. It's like only use a gun if you need it, but you need was, to have to use it. Yeah, that's what I was. I, I, that's actually how I think about it. It's funny you say that because I was thinking in my mind, it's like it's like a gun and it's like ammo. Yeah. Like if, if you truly think you need it, you want more ammo and you want more guns because you don't want to say, oh, only, you know, only like right. use bullets that are inexpensive and only shoot those. It's like, no, you got to practice with it. Like to right. get good at it. Like you don't want to be too late on it. So that's why I don't like the dichotomy of like spend this, but save that. It's like, you want to do both, be good at both, have as much as both as possible. All right. Yeah. I, li I like that. What's the deal. G give me some insight into, into samurai. Cause I haven't spoken to those guys in a while uh, as well. Why aren't they all in on Monero? Like I, 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 I that that's the, you know, kind of a gripe I've had had with them i don't understand because they get they understand this better than anybody right they understand the need for 
censorship resistant digital cash. That's why they're working tirelessly on trying to create things that allow you to use Bitcoin in that way. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's not easy to do in Bitcoin. But here you here you have, on the other hand, you have something Monero that works beautifully for that purpose. Uh, I respect the fact that they're building all these things, but why don't they like accept Monero nat- or maybe they do? Is there a plan to accept Monero natively on their app? I've heard them talk about in terms of atomic swaps and the same idea of. You know, ultimately, Monero is is worthless against Bitcoin, but you can use it if you want to um, wash essentially as a mixer, right? You could essentially use it as a mixer for Bitcoin, but they never take the next step of saying, on its own, it's a good technology and it works as digital cash, and we're you know we're promoting it, we're using it, we're building things for that. Just give me the insights there on on yeah. Samurai. Yeah, well, you know, obviously, I can't, I can't speak for for Samurai. Uh, they're they're a team, but I, what I can say is they do like Monero a lot. Uh, they fully appreciate, it. they like it, they're friendly to it. I thought they were working on the swaps. I don't know what the status of that is. Yeah. Um, so they've they've come out and said that. Um, I can't speak for them, but I think they they just have so much on their plate, right? Like they're so busy with Whirlpool. And I just saw the other day, like they, I think reached like an all time high again of Whirlpool. So I think they're just so busy with what they are doing that they just like, well, I don't even know, maybe they want to, but they don't have the bandwidth. I don't know, but I know they're just so busy as, as it is. And yeah, that's the case. Then yeah, I can't fault them for that. If it's just a bandwidth issue and it's like, we would do it, but we, you know, we don't have the time or is it more of like a philosophical where Bitcoiners, no, no, they, yeah, privacy. not that way. Yeah, okay. they're, they're like privacy first. And then they're definitely like, like me in terms of like, it's just a tool, right? Like Bitcoin Monero, just tools. They're not like the point of it. They're just a tool. And they were privacy guys before Bitcoin and they'll be after it goes away if it ever does. So no, they, they like Monero. I think they're just have their hands full with Bitcoin. And I think it's good because it's kind of amazing in a bad way, just how little emphasis privacy has had in Bitcoin. You think of all the talent, all the money, all the VCs, all the podcasts, all the conferences, all the stuff. And like Samurai has kind of been really the only ones who have had like usable, practical privacy things. Like, it's kind of amazing for how much money is in Bitcoin. They're kind of the only ones. Like, there's some other stuff, but it's, like, not good. It's 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 just, a, it blows my mind, and I can't wrap my head around why there's not more competitors to Samurai or why people just, just haven't. So, maybe that's also, they're in a good position in that sense. Right, right. They're the, they're the specialist for that, for that purpose. Very true. Very true. Yeah, I think I think the atomic swaps that they're adding uh, is really for purposes of getting rid of the toxic change. I think is like how yeah. how they're currently thinking about it. So like, yeah, yet again, I'm like, so why why not just like add atomic swaps to Samurai and you could hold your Bitcoin there, you could hold your Monero there. That. Will they will they be a Finny Fest? Because if they are, then then I'll, I'll be able to to ask him that question. I'm sure. Yeah, there, there's a couple of guys from Samurai that'll be at Finny Forum. Uh, Ergo's a speaker. Finny Forum, I'm sorry. <laughs> Turn yeah. <it> Finny. <laughs> That's Finny. the after party. <laughs> That's the after party. Yeah, no, I like that. That's a good good one. Uh, yeah, but um, Ergo will be there. Ergo's, he's on their OXT 
block explorer uh software that they have um so he'll be a speaker btc zelk will be a speaker although he doesn't work for samurai well he you know they have the node ronin dojo node which does whirlpool and it's a bitcoin node so he'll be there and maybe some of the actual samurai guys will be there as well we're still trying to figure out their schedule and stuff like that so definitely uh there'll be guys for you to speak with uh from the samurai world definitely there so definitely uh you know raise some eyebrows and start a conversation. <laughs> I won't be that annoying. I promise. I promise. Um, I'm just, I'm so inquisitive when it, when it comes to understand, like some people, I, you know, I try to understand their, their, their true motivations in crypto, like, like Andreas Antonopoulos, you brought up, right? Like I never understood why that guy never spoke about Monero more. Right. Like he seemed to, that's what, He's he's what brought me into Bitcoin, right? He's he's really what gave me the initial deep understanding of the value prop of what crypto is supposed to be. And yet you never really hear him talking about Monero and all the all the good things it's doing towards towards that end of being digital cash, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, where where is he? I haven't heard from Andreas in years. In, in That's many true. Years. I, haven't, I generally haven't heard much from him lately. Maybe he's just retired. Yeah. I mean, he's, he certainly has enough. <laughs> Well, actually, remember to, uh, right at some point he he revealed that he didn't have any Bitcoin, and then people donated to him. That that was that was incredible. Yeah, well, there was that one thing with uh, what I think it was a Roger Ver thing. It was something where like he got this big donation or won a bet or something. But I, I thought there was something with Roger Ver, and then um, Andreas like kept it, and it was like a big big payday. Um, but I know beyond the scenes, Andreas has been like um, an advisor to lots of companies behind the scenes. So, you know, maybe, maybe stuff there, but yeah, it's kind of disappointing. He was, he was very um, inspirational, although he started to, I think, upset some people because he's on the left side of politics. Um, and I, I would say probably more people in Bitcoin are on the right side. There's people on both sides, but I think some of his leftist views, um, people didn't like, so maybe that, or maybe he's retired, you know, I don't know, but fortunately, you know, the world has grown since Andreas and those those small groups. So there's plenty of good people now. In general, though, like people of that of that nature, right, that are are in Bitcoin for its censorship resistant purposes. Any thinking there as to why more of them aren't talking about Monero? Is it just as simple as they're invested in Bitcoin, number go up, they got their bags or? Yeah, that's probably that. I, I think, especially if they've been in it for a while, I just think if kind of most of their, you know, their wealth or whatever that word means to people is in Bitcoin, they're kind of set that way. And so, you know, people only have so much energy and attention span to do more than one thing. Um, but there also is a social stigma. You know, it's stupid, but there's lots of Bitcoiners who love Monero, you know, public people like, I can think of one person who is a Bitcoin whale, who is very well known in Bitcoin, very privacy centric, but doesn't talk about Monero, but he loves Monero. Like he is avid fan. I'm sure he's contributed probably lots of code. I'm sure he's made some big donations in Monero. I'm pretty darn sure of that, but just doesn't talk about it because the stupid culture. And he's kind of, you know, he just decides that his, he's better, he's time better spent talking about Bitcoin rather than having to fight some other battle publicly about Monero and he can just contribute to Monero uh, without saying much. 
So I guess you just have to pick your battles. That's the only thing I can think of. Do you see that changing? I mean, obviously, right? Even I feel like you represent that that realm, right? So you're you're in a group. Your tent is is the Bitcoiners, the privacy the privacy Bitcoiners, and now they're they're getting into Monero. Do you see that tent growing? I see it. Yeah, I see it's becoming more acceptable to talk about Monero, and I think this is probably a good thing in Bitcoin. We're starting to see as new people come in because of ordinals. I think you're having a more diverse crowd. I think as the number go up, people sort of, uh, they've been uh, shown to be wrong about so many things. So I do think it will be more socially acceptable for these, you know, Bitcoin privacy people to get into Monero. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's going to be more acceptable. But not to be too negative, but a lot of, there's, you know, some Bitcoin privacy people who actually turns out really don't care about privacy as much as they thought they did or say they do. And you've seen that with Samurai. Now, Samurai likes, they're funny guys. They like to make people upset. Like they, they're thick skin and they, they have no problem, right? Yeah, mixing it, it up with people. Um, that's why I like them. But uh, you've seen a lot of people fight Samurai and you're like, what is this? And these are like, quote unquote, the privacy guys. Bitcoin is censorship resistant, like a lot of them. And they hate Samurai. And mm -hmm. they, and some of that is because they invested in Wasabi, which is supposedly another, you know, coin join implementation that's broken. It's terrible. But I think a lot of people simply invested in, in that. Um, mm -hmm. And so to answer yeah, your the question, Wasabi versus Samurai thing, right? Right. Yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead, though, to answer my question. Yeah, yeah. So to answer your question, yes, I think it's becoming more acceptable for, for you know, Bitcoiners to get into Monero and talk about it. Um, that's mm -hmm. one thing. But then there's also just the fact that uh, people who said they were about privacy ultimately aren't. They're more about their investment in different in, in alternatives to Samurai. And they're more invested in kind of their, their you know, their image. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. People, people are just people at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all fall so, short of our own expectations. I mean, we're all human, right? So Satoshi's all this, all this coming down the line for sure. He's playing into all this, all, all this greed, all this greed that everybody has. Yeah, right? I, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, as Bitcoin, you know, has it, has it suffered from its own success? I would say yes. Um, you know, it's hard to care about, you know, at a certain point, I think a lot of, you know, Bitcoin wells at a certain point, it's kind of like they sort of, it's hard for them to have privacy because you get to a certain point, it becomes hard in a sense, um, unless you've been very careful with things along the way, I think it just becomes very hard and, and you, you don't want to make yourself a target. And so they're just kind of like, uh, I'm not going to engage in this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like we said before, the, the, the number go up thing, it's like people, people essentially sell out, right? It's like they, they cared about privacy, but when they see their dollar value keep going up in Bitcoin terms, they don't longer really care about it as much, right? Because they're like, well, I'm, I'm getting my freedom through my wealth. Uh, I don't need it to be private, uh, which I think is short-term thinking, right? Uh, it's, it's not adversarial thinking either, because ultimately the, the real value comes from people not being able to, to take your wealth, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, when you get comfortable, like anything, like if you're comfortable, you become less of a, of a warrior, less of an advocate, less of a fighter, because you have a good life and you just, you don't want to risk <laughs> your good, pleasant life. And so why get into this big fight 
and and put yourself out there because your life is so great and you have your boat and your house and you know all the stuff that you have <laughs> that could be it too i don't know yeah um what uh some who was it that somebody posted some good questions oh, i was on untraceable right posted some yeah. good questions that you had asked i think we actually kind of covered most of them uh what is bitcoin's value uh about you know the issues with the censorship resistance we definitely covered that um oh he's asking yeah what do you think what would you say is is your greatest criticism or criticisms of venero i think it's you know lack of greater adoption i i think is its is its weakness i mean ultimately you got to have adoption as a as a method of payment um mm -hmm. that, that that's a practical thing i think of monero is 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 that okay it's liquidity essentially yeah yeah it, it's liquidity now it's getting better right um with you know btc pay server and it's becoming easier to do that but um yeah that that's what i would like to see and this is where you know bitcoiners you know they don't like it like finiform like i've talked to a couple different like bitcoin like meetup groups and just kind of just call it Bitcoin social groups, I would say, and say, hey, you know, like, do you want to be a sponsor? Do you want to be a partner? You know, speak or this or that. And a lot of them say no, because we have Monero. There you, you go. Know, right. You right. know, we talk about Monero. It's the same thing with, with Barrams and Bitcoin. We have Monero. And so it just shows like the damage they can do because they don't want Monero to be a method of payment, right? Like they don't like that we accept Monero for our ticket sales. Mm -hmm. um, and so to answer the question, I think lack of greater, you know, adoption is its biggest weak point right now. And there's nothing wrong with Monero itself, the protocol, right? It's just the state of things. Yeah, 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 for sure. Which ties into Untraceable's other question, which is, what do you think of Monero being, this idea of Monero being delisted from centralized exchanges? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, that's a great question. I generally think that it is a bad thing in the sense that f most people use centralized services, at least for any large amounts. You know, it's easier to get smaller amounts without having to do the centralized services, but for larger amounts, it's it, it's harder. And so I think in the short term, it, it keeps Monero out of the hands of more users, plain and simple, just the convenience. The counter argument to that, though, is that it keeps the ethos of Monero uh, with people who want to use it and it doesn't like get distracted. People don't get in Monero for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's kind of a mixed bag there. I would prefer that it doesn't get delisted. I know people say that's oh, a Streisand effect, but, you know, I'm, I'm not so not so sure about that. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it it could definitely hurt liquidity initially, right? I mean, I guess, I guess, the, yeah. The positive arguments are that you're you're using crypto the way you should be using it, right? Uh, there's definitely no KYC AML if you're if you can't go onto a centralized exchange to get it. Uh, so then you know you're you're obtaining it in the best way possible, mm -hmm. and then just using it, not necessarily, um, you know, just using it as an investment. So, but but maybe you know more people are mining. You know, if they if they're like, well, it's harder to get centralized exchange, and they're like, I'll mine it. Just, that's one more you know way to get it. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how how it plays out. 
um, because I just, the state is going to come after Monero eventually. I mean, it, there's a reason why they haven't been more aggressive. And I think, yeah. I, I think it's going to come. So th then we'll really see was delisting it uh, good, good or bad. Like, did it prepare the community for something? Like, did it stave that off? And so we're already prepared for it. Right, right, right. And like we said, there's these other bridges being built, unstoppable, but like atomic swaps, mm -hmm. uh, decentralized exchanges. Uh, is Sarai going to be presenting at Penny um, Forum? Yeah, he's trying to... Luke yeah, Luke Parker. Yeah, thanks for bringing Luke up. Yeah, really glad that Luke's going to be a speaker. Um, I'm... I don't think he's decided if he's going to talk about it yet. I'm kind of leaving that up to him based on how far along it is. He's got a lot to talk about. He could also talk about full membership proofs, right? He's he's working on that as well. Yeah, that, that's why Luke Luke asked me, well, what should I talk on? I'm like, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're the boss, man. You, you tell us. Yeah, you. if you're going to fly out to... <laughs> if you're gonna fly out to Dallas, like the mic's yours. Just keep it at 20 minutes. So he's, he's a phenom, that kid. He's a, he's amazing. Yeah, big big brain. Um, but yeah, like a Deverick Apollo. He's gonna be a speaker. You know, he's helped. I think with it with BTC Pay Server and nice. okay. yeah. So he's gonna be on there. And uh, just scrolling through another one like Evgeny Pobreskin. He's behind uh, you know the uh, privacy messaging app. Um, and then we're trying to get some more Monero people out there. So hopefully this podcast will attract more of the Monero tribe. You have a big following. So hopefully more, more of the Monero crazy people will come and get a few <laughs> more of those speakers on board. I, th I think you'll see that happen for sure. For sure. We got to get you to in return to come to Monerotopia, man. We, uh, we need you to return the favor. And yeah. So when is the next one? I know the last one was in Mexico. What's the, what's the plan? Do you guys have a date? I haven't been keeping up to date on things. We, we are thinking, yeah, cause we haven't officially announced anything yet. We're thinking of doing it in Buenos Aires, Argentina a year from now, essentially. Um, and then that separates us from MoneroCon cause they do theirs in June. We've been doing ours in like May, which is right next to there. So it kind of moves us six months away from MoneroCon. Um, and then it'll be summer down in Buenos Aires during that time, which would be nice. And then we have Malay over there, which I'm sure you're aware of. And there's there's a lot of energy there right now. There's a lot of natural, organic Monero adoption that's taking place. I think I had reached out to you, right, to try to get a, 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 a Alessandro perhaps as being a speaker at Finiform, yep. the young kid who start, who's starting Monero Town in Iberete in Argentina. Uh, so yeah, we're thinking of doing Monerotopia down there in, in a year, which would be that, cool. That would be very interesting, especially with yeah, the, new, the new president there, see where, where things will go. Yeah, that would be interesting. It's a far flight, though. That's the thing, right? It's, it's uh, pretty far. <laughs> People but don't I understand. I feel like a lot of people just want to like who haven't been down there are are just just need that final like little push to go because they want to go they want to check it out, so maybe this will will be their excuse to go check it out. And Buenos Aires, have you ever been to Buenos Aires? No, I've I've gone to Chile many times, uh, but never make it made it over Argentina. I've, I've had a few Argentine friends, but just didn't make it there. Yeah, want to? Beautiful. Yeah, the food is amazing. The the, the steak, the the wine. Yeah. It's just the uh, the culture. It's good, good people. 
and just and and the, the cash culture is amazing there i mean it is obviously things things are going to be changing now but the the current the current because of the the, the fiat being so dismal down there that people have basically live in a black market economy so it's it's kind of exciting to see because you're you're witnessing uh, a, a true black market economy you know and yeah. actually that that, that might, we might actually see that go away uh ironically even though hmm. malay is extreme libertarian but in his efforts to fix things it may become less necessary to have have the black market down there yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, because it's, you know, he's the new president, but then you're always going against the bureaucrats and the banks. And so, you know, we'll see El Salvador. I mean, he's he was the president there. I mean, he's been very influential, was able to do a lot. So maybe he will. I mean, Argentina seems like it's ripe for this kind of thing. So mm-hmm. ho- hopefully, I mean, like you said, it's a big cash economy. It seems like a natural fit for Monero. Um, yeah, it'd be a great excuse to go down there. I mean, the, the climate as well. I mean, there's so many good things. Just the flight. I think if it was closer, a lot more, a lot more people who would normally go to Europe would go to Argentina instead. Like, I would rather kind of go, rather go to Argentina. I've been to Europe plenty of times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, it's far. New York is like 11 hours. I don't know where you're coming from. Well, you're Texas, right? Yeah, Texas yeah. right now. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, man. Is there any other information you want to put out there with regards? I guess let's say, first say in crypto in general. Any 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 info you want to get out there? No, I mean I think this has been good. I appreciate you guys, you know, being a partner at Finiform and um, so Finiform.com. Uh, just throw out the date again. So March fifteenth and sixteenth in Dallas. So that'll be a good conversation there to talk about everything. Uh, meet meet other folks there that i know only via you know twitter um but yeah i i I appreciate uh having me on and you know spreading the word and um yeah I, i think overall i think my message would be that things are moving in the right direction in monero the right direction in bitcoin i think we're coming to a very interesting time where the state is really cracking down now and we're going to have these populist revolts in Argentina and some other places. And I think the world is going to get really crazy next year with, with the presidential election in the U.S. So buckle up, I think, and be prepared. Hold those Monero. Hold Hotel Monero. Stack Monero. You might want to go boating too, right? You might, you might want to take up the hobby of boating as well. Uh, what would you say to to somebody who is in crypto? Maybe they're maybe they're like a a, a bitcoiner getting interested in Monero, but they, they are concerned about the fact that it might be banned, or they're concerned that it is a target. What what would be your message to the to those people? I would say if you're afraid of that, that's a reason to use Monero. And I would say as of today. It's not illegal to own Monero or use it. So like, don't be a baby. Like, (laughs) I love it. So true, right? Like if if you're here and you're here for the right reasons, then you should want to want to use Monero at that point. Right. Otherwise you're probably here for the wrong reasons. Right. Yeah. It's like, come on, come on. Like think of our ancestors and what they they've done. Like, Talk about weak generation. So yeah, so people are afraid of Monero. Don't be. That's ridiculous. It's legal. And if you think it's going to be banned, it's more of a reason to have it because why would they? 
if it was such a powerful tool, right? When like the government says ban this, sometimes there's a good reason for it, but sometimes it's not. So you know, Monero is a friendly place. It's not that hard to get. It's easy to use, great wallets. You can mine it at home, like go for it. Don't overthink it. All right, Ragnar, man. Thank you so much. This is fantastic. Yeah, Douglas, I'm glad we got to do this and uh, we'll see you in March if we don't uh, also see each other on Twitter before then. Cheers, buddy. And thanks. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to MoneroTalk.live to subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.